You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Many, many years ago, I preached from this text. Chapter 5, they had care for him and would take care of this man when he was crazy and demon-possessed. But when he's in his right mind, they got afraid of him and said, we want you out of our city. The demon-possessed man said, Jesus, I want to go with you. They didn't want him in their town. They didn't want Jesus in the town. But he stayed and went and told everybody what Jesus had done. There must have been a revival because two chapters later, one year later, Jesus came back into the same town and the multitudes were there. I preached a message to you years ago from that text, that subject, one man made a difference. I want to pray with you in a moment. Tonight I begin a series, if I could have a redo. I've been with you folks a long time and I love the journey. Every day is so special to me. I get to be your pastor. It's coming up on 48 years. My wife and I have been here. She's in the nursery tonight caring for the kids. But she'd have to echo with me that this has been such a wonderful joy. There are things I'd change about being a husband. I wouldn't want to change anything about her, but me, yes. And as a father, we have three wonderful kids all serving God full time. Two pastors and one assistant pastor, principal of the school. I love our kids. We have 14 grandkids all serving God, all in church today, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're so blessed. But I wish I could redo some things as my job as dad. I, I don't Tabitha's in the nursery, our daughter, she's the only one left in our church, but I, I don't ever remember yelling at the kids. But I wish I could have some redo days. I wish I could have some redo days as a husband. Probably six months ago, God began to deal with my heart about our church. You folks are about as perfect as they become and can come. But if I could redo some things about me, I would redo it for you and for our Lord. I begin a series tonight on some things I'd like to redo. Our Father, I believe these people know I love them, and I do love them so very much. I thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus, and for the purpose to die for our sins. And Lord, I have so much I want to cover, but I think I'll skip over so much of this beginning and get right into it tonight. So help me. Help me to bring to the attention of these people what I'd like to redo in my own personal life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll get to the subject and tell you what it is in a moment. I I grew up and I was in the best home. Dad and mom had 
nightly prayer, nightly Bible. I played my trumpet, family devotions. My one sister played the organ, my other sister played the piano, and my parents sang. We had the most wonderful home. We never, literally never, missed Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My dad was a deacon, mother and dad in the choir. They loved our pastors. We never had a problem with our church. Everybody loved my folks. <clears throat> they were here 33 years. They got to pastor them. They're with the Lord now. I was involved with everything with our youth group. We would have Friday afternoon after high school. I'd ride my, I'd, I'd walk over or get a bike ride or get, get a ride or ride a bike over to a neighborhood. We had neighborhood Bible time where high schoolers taught neighborhood Bible time. I was in every youth hour. But when I graduated from high school, I'd never won a soul to Christ. I didn't know how to do it. And by the way, it's not the pastor's fault. It's not his wife's fault. Remember their funeral, my, my pastor's wife's funeral, and then my pastor died. They, they were the best. I had the best church. There were people saved in our church, but I never, I, I never personally was involved in that. In 1969, I was in college, and um, they called me in the office. What we used to have is extension because there really wasn't a church there with, there was a church in town we went to, but it wasn't part of the college. But I went to extension to a place called Platteville, Wisconsin. And I stayed in the attic. A, a widow lady allowed me to stay in her attic on Saturday and Sunday. We get there early Saturday morning, Platteville. That's where, I don't know if they still do it, the Chicago Bears will always have preseason practice. And I would on Saturday go into the dormitories of the University of Wisconsin, and it was just open. And I'd knock on doors in the men's dorm and try to talk to people about the Lord. But I did not know how to win anybody to Christ. We opened that church up. I remember that old building, and it's a great church now. Pastor uh, Barta is there. He's done a wonderful work. And that old church that we were at, uh, that first Sunday we had to Man, as man's wife on the piano, and he preached, and I led the music. There's three of us up here and four people in the auditorium. I did my very best, and that church began to grow a little bit. The next semester, they said, Jack, you're moving over to Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. And that was a larger church. But I never won a soul to Christ in Platteville. Never. Didn't know how to do it. And in Sun Prairie, we developed a great music program, but I didn't know how to win a soul to Christ. So I took the class in college, personal evangelism, and I got an A-plus in, in the class. I had it all down. I knew the Romans Road. And, and I, I'm talking about, they, they made us memorize every verse, and if you missed a period or a comma, a semicolon on a quiz, you flunked the quiz. I had to get all the punctuation right. I got it all right, A-plus in the class. But I still didn't win a soul to Christ. I got burdened. I found some gospel tracts, and I remember walking off that campus to the first door on that street and just knocked on doors and tried to tell people to go to church. I didn't know how to win a soul to Christ. I became the president of an inner society and student body, and I never knew how to win a soul to Christ. They sent me over to Rockford, Illinois, a large church. The man later became my father-in-law. 
I'll never forget going there, and it just was the right time. The, 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 I was the janitor and the music director, and everything exploded. It just exploded. The church choir exploded. The youth choir, they, they became every Sunday night, and we got a double-decker bus and traveled for two weeks in the Midwest and had them all outfitted one summer. It was just amazing. Went on TV in Michigan, and it was just, it was an amazing thing. I never won a soul to Christ. I remember I was in a singing group before I got to that church, and the pastor preached. His wife had just passed away. She would have been my mother-in-law later in life had I known her, but, but, but people came that morning down the aisles everywhere, and they ran out of soul winners, and, and he said, son, right here. He looked at me, deal with this man right here by the organ, and I, I was just trembling. I, I dealt with the man, and the first thing, I asked him if he's saved. He goes, yes. I said, praise God. I didn't know what to do with him, Pastor Robertson. It was not my faculty, it was not the college, it was not my pastor, it was not my parents, it was the stupidity of Jack Treeper. I'll never forget, just, I just happened to lead one soul to Christ by accident. It was almost like I could say, what must I do to be saved? One summer, I took an entire summer, I was still single, and I made a survey, and I had a clipboard, and I went door to door in the hot, summer, humid weather I was not accustomed to, and all I did, I'd say, I'm taking a religious survey. Do you go to church? And they'd say, well, we go to the Catholic church. I didn't know what to say. And so I'd pass on the track. I'd say, listen, <laughs> stupid. You talk about dumb. I, I said, well, I'm not trying to take you away from your church. Well, yes, I was. But they said, maybe if you can come visit us, that'd be great. I've never seen it done. I, I never saw anybody get saved. I literally worked that entire summer. No one told me to do it. I just wanted to be a soul winner. Prior to coming here, we came to California, began to work in a church. It was listed as one of the 10 fastest growing churches in America in a book. It's a good sized church. We got in and pastor said to me on Thursday, Jack, Go get a, a go get an apartment for your wife and open up a checking account, but be at Saturday night men's prayer. He said, you take the next two days to get settled. At Saturday night men's prayer, uh, all the deacons, there's a lot of deacons, all the staff men and miniature, it's a big crowd. They start going around to the deacons. Who'd you win to Christ this week? Who'd you win to, to Christ? Who, and, and he asked the deacons, laymen. So, ooh. Then he asked the staff, I thought, man, I'm getting off this week. Praise God, because he told me to take those two days off. I mean, I just met the men that night. They hadn't seen me before. They said, Brother Jack, welcome you. We're glad you're here. How many did you win to Christ this week? My first statement to all those men, I didn't win anybody. He just paused and looked. He said, don't ever let that happen again. You're here to win souls to Christ. You know, that was Saturday. Sunday had church. I, I was doing my best to lead music. We had a great day, but I tell you, I was in agony. Saturday's coming. He's going to ask me. I don't know how to do this. I said, God, if I don't learn how to do this, I am not going to stay in the ministry. 
I refuse to be in the ministry and get a paycheck for something I don't know how to do. Monday went by, I didn't lead anybody, I tried. Tuesday went by, I didn't lead anybody, I tried. This was 50 years ago. Wednesday came last, I'm in agony. Thursday night, soul winning. Big crowd showed up. They all start going out, and the pastor looked at me, Brother Jack, where's your soul winning partner? I, I said, well, I, 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 I don't have one. I'll never forget with a stern look, and by the way, don't fault the pastor, he was helping me. He said, don't you ever come soul winning without having a partner. Your job is to train someone how to win souls. And I, I thought, I don't know how. He said, Tony, your brother-in-law, Tony Pisano, Tony later became a missionary. He's been a missionary for all 45, six years with his dear wife and your sister, she's home with the Lord now. Tony took me, I was, Tony's Hispanic. I, I was just, I was so embarrassed. I, didn't, I wanted to tell him I didn't know what I'm doing. I knew the Romans road. I didn't know how to get started and how to pray with someone to get saved. Our church has heard this many times. We were walking in an apartment complex, and you couldn't do this nowadays. They'd arrest you for harming children or something, but Tony saw this little boy coming on a bike, two boys, and he stepped out in front of him on the sidewalk and grabbed the handlebars and stopped him and said, hey, fellas! And he was a happy guy. He said, we're from the church. And he looked at the one boy. He said, my name is, and the both boys, he goes, my name is Brother Tony. This is Brother Jack. That's pretty cool how he did that. Stopped that bike, talked to the boys, said, what's your name? The first boy said, my name's Cornbread. That was his name, Cornbread. I forget the other boys, Cornbread. Right now, Cornbread sounds very good. With five pounds of butter and honey on it. With Sister Annie, some okra. I had one piece of okra at a Cracker Barrel this week. I was out of town in Sacramento preaching. I had one piece of okra. It wasn't as good as yours, I'll tell you that right there. He said, boys, he called them by name. We're from the, we, we have the bus in here. They say, yeah, we've seen the bus. Boys, let me ask you a question. You've heard this a thousand times, I've told you. I've never seen this done. He goes, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? He looked up, I, I, I looked up. So you go to hell, and he looked down. And he looked right at him, don't you know? And those boys said, we don't know. I've never seen that. And he said, well, let me show you. Well, I knew after this. I, I memorized the Romans' road of salvation. I and, and he said, here's what the Bible says. And he gave him a track, and we went through that track. But I don't know what to do after that. You would. But I, I was slow. I'm an English 99er. I, I'm telling you, he got all done. He said, now, boys, do you understand this? And he went back 
and he reviewed it. It was just amazing. We're sinners, and there's a penalty for sin, and it's hell, judgment, forever. But Jesus died on the cross. He reviewed it all. Brother, ever sent a pastor, I, I thought that was incredible. But now how do you get it? How do you seal the deal? And I hope that doesn't sound too secular. And he said, boys, you understand. So he went through that. Would you like, he starts nodding his head, so I'm nodding my head. He said, would you like to ask Jesus to be your Savior? And he said, yes. I'm watching this for the first time. It's just, it was, it was so amazing. And he prayed and he said, now boys, I want you to follow and repeat after me. If you believe this, dear Lord, dear Lord, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I asked Jesus to say, and he just prayed with us. And then after we prayed, he finished up and said, now boys, you know what just happened? You're and it gave him assurance of salvation. You're eternally saved. You'll never die and go to hell. If you, if you steal something or if you lie or something, which is wrong, will you die? Will you, when you die, will you still go to heaven? And he explained it so well that they said, yes, we'll go to heaven. And I said, don't steal. They said, let's go tell mama. And, and mama, I smell, I can smell almost the oil. She had oil on the stove and was making tacos or whatever it was smelled so good and those boys we went to the door he knocked on the door the boys ran in and tony came in and he said mama we're from the church called the boys names i've got good news for you your two boys just asked jesus to save them so they can go to heaven <laughs> and this is this is different this 50 years He's starting to open up the screen door and says, we're coming on in. Turn, turn, the, turn the oil off. I want to tell you the good news. And she says, okay, let me go turn it off. And she came and sat on the couch and he said, mama, those boys were there. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Or would you go to hell? Or don't you know? She said, I think I'd go to hell. And the same thing, he led her to Christ. That's almost 50 years ago. You know, Brother Pacho, I've not been the best soul owner, but I've worked at it my entire life. I've worked at it in this area. I've worked at it when I've been on the road preaching. I've worked at it on every, every time I flew on a flight. I, first thing, I'd open up my Bible and put it right there so they knew where they were. And, and my, my, put my tray down on the, at the, air, air, uh, the seat where I was sitting. I always had my Bible out, always. And I have my track ready. I said, what's your name? My name's Bob. Hey, Bob, good to meet you. My name's Jack. I said, let me give you something to read before we take off. I found out if I didn't do it right off the bat, I would procrastinate. I led him to Christ one night. I can remember uh, one day I was coming, coming back into San Jose Airport, and the lady was frantic, just frantic across the aisle. We were in the back of the plane. Just frantic, scared to death. We hit some turbulence. I said, now, ma'am, let me talk to you for a little bit. You know what? You don't have anything to worry about here. And I said, can I tell you the best? I can remember witnessing that lady, and I hate turbulence. 
I mean, when I have turbulence, I begin to confess my sins. It takes about a minute. I start confessing my wife's sins. It takes about an hour and a half. I, I start confessing everybody else's sins. And when I get to your sins, it's just weeks and weeks and weeks. I, I mean, I hate turbulence. I'm scared to death. I've flown most Mondays and Tuesdays for all these decades. But can I tell you something? The next thing I, that lady just listened and she began to weep, I want to get saved. And we were praying and she was asking Christ to save us and the wheels were hitting. She goes, what's that? I said, we just landed. I've led them in, in foreign countries to Christ on my driveway, in my house, uh, 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 you name the place. But I'm dedicating myself tonight to these days that remain in my life to redo and be more passionate for souls. Amen. Jesus said, for this cause, He's talking about going to Calvary. For this cause came I into the world. I was to this end was I born. I came here that I should bear witness of the truth. He who was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Oh, he that believeth on me shall have everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's appointed to men was to die. And after this, the judgment, there is a real place called heaven and there's a real place called hell. I saw a black and white television program not long ago and the people on that program are all dead. And I just began to ponder one night if they ever got the gospel. They made people laugh, but did they ever get the gospel? And I began to think, They've been in a place called hell for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and then began to think, but it's forever. We need to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatched in pity in the grave, weep for the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save, rescue the perishing. Oh, child of God, tonight our job, like never before, is to reach this world for Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm glad I learned to win souls to Christ. Some of you in this school, college, you've come and you're freshmen. You've never won a Christ, soul to Christ. I tried for four years in college. I, I, didn't, I never saw it done. I never, you know, I was in a good place, but I never saw a professor lead anybody to Christ. I never saw it done. I think if I could have just seen it. I wanted to work in the church and then another church and another church and the fourth church and as I served in college and then in the ministry as an associate assistant pastor for three and a half years, never won a soul to Christ. Until Tony Pisano showed me how to win a soul to Christ. 
So if you're here, you've not won somebody to Christ. Please, you're way ahead of me. You're better than me. I, I, went, I was getting paid by a church to serve. But if you don't know how to win a soul to Christ, Brother Man is the, he has the Saturday shuttle bus for men. Brother Sousley drives. And those men go out. I think there was, what we'd say, 19 yesterday. I don't know what it was. That's just one. We have teen soul winning. We have lady soul winning. We have Bible ladies distribution. We have teen Bible distribution. We have, we have church soul winning. We have all the various bus soul winning, and Filipino soul winning, and Indian soul winning, and Spanish soul winning, and, and all the soul winning ministries around here. But that's the mission of our church. You think of what could happen if just everywhere we went, and you know this is true, I tell you all the time, I pass tracks everywhere I go. But every week of my life, I have people say, I know that church, I rode the bus. I rode the bus on Old Clyde Avenue. We've been over here 17 years in this auditorium, we've been over here longer than that. I rode the bus in the 80s. Are you, did you get saved? I got saved. Something I've had recently say, you baptized me. I remember exactly how you baptized me. I said, you're living for God. Sometimes they say, I'm going to another church. And my wife and I and our kids are faithful. I said, praise the Lord for that. Sometimes I hang their head and say, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to church. There's hardly a Sunday goes by that someone is not in this big auditorium that they say to me, I'm here with my kids, I'm married, and I don't have a husband now, a lot of times a lady, and I've got these three kids, and I got saved here, and my kids need the same thing that I got. You know, if I'd redo this thing, I would make us more passionate for souls. How would just, I mean, Dr. Lee Robertson, and, and, and this Saturday, uh, he died in 1992, this coming Saturday, when you're at music practice. What a great man. Our dear, dear friend. And Dr. Dr. Uh, Lee Robertson in Highland Park Baptist Church, Chattanooga, they owned almost all that downtown region, all those buildings. 5,000 Bible college students, amazing thing, amazing thing. Out in front of their church, they had Highland Park Baptist Church and then a stoplight was yellow, red, and green. And they had the green light on all the time, said the church of the green light. In other words, go into all the world. They supported nearly 500 missionaries. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you realize tonight, I'm gonna to try to wrap it up here. I've got so much more I wanna say, but I'm just coming to you on behalf of the fact here was a demon-possessed man he was like the woman at the well I was seeking. Here's a woman at the well. Here's a woman the boys sang justified this morning, taken in adultery. And all their lives are changed. Here's a little man crawled up in a tree, ripping people off. But Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down. His life was changed. Here's Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and came to Jesus by night to ask him the way of salvation and light. The master made answer in words true and plain, ye must be born again. Everyone, D.L. Moody said, either has an S 
or an L on their forehead. It's either saved or it's lost. Everyone we talk to, saved or lost. This world is saved or lost. 600, I said this morning, 656 million teenagers in this world. The vast majority have never heard. The vast majority have never heard of the love of God. When we had the Iraqi war, the average soldier in Iraq carrying those big weapons was a 15-year-old boy, the average age. What are we going to do for these people? What are we going to do for the, the, the cities of the world that have no gospel, the little villages of the world that have no gospel, that have, I'm grateful, you just started, you paid for 400 churches to be built in the Philippines and paid us pastor salary for a year. All 400 are still going. We're in Mexico trying to do the same thing now. We have all of our missionaries around the globe. We gave the names out last night at men's prayer meeting again. I want you to know we have so many places that are without the gospel. Brother Harris and his wife from BIMI were here. They brought their son to college, and he's a director. And we were talking about a particular country that's fallen into communism. I said, how many missionaries at BIMI is a large missionary? He says, we have one family there. And I'm not faulting BIMI because they could just take what people, I'm just saying, there, there's countries around, they, they've never heard. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Lonely people filled with despair, headed who knows where. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize Everybody needs the Lord. Amen. Little children need the Lord. Mothers need the Lord. Daddies need the Lord. Grandpas and grandmas need the Lord. Manuel, Manuel Reyes, I don't know where you went. I know you're in the house. I saw you. But Manuel got so burdened. His, one of his buddies, Manuel, got saved here. His wife got saved here. And his family is saved here. Now he's a grandpa. It's just an amazing thing. And she's a grandma. Hard to believe all that's happened in their lives for the good of God. But, but here it is. He had a friend in their old days uh, that was, was, was never saved. And now he's dying, turning yellow. He's still young. I think in his 50s. Brother Manuel and Angela went to see him. He pled for him to get saved. He'd go in and out. He witnessed to him. Before he could pray, he went back out and and they went and he said, just, just stay away for about a half hour. Let's come on back. Try it again. They went back in. He was coherent. He called his dear friend by his name. He said, the friend said, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid. He said, oh, but you don't need to be afraid. Brother Manuel, there you are. And we had men and people in this church praying for that. That night, he texted me. He said, he just gloriously bowed his head and prayed and asked Christ to save him. I think about two, three days later, he passed away. He got in. What if he hadn't gone? What if he hadn't gone? I do have an outline here. I think I'll just sort of wrap it up right now. I was preaching in a large Spanish conference 
at Brother Salas, ours big, big conference. Spanish ministries everywhere from outside the country and Southern California, everywhere. My interpreter that night was Brother Tommy Ashcraft. And I preached with interpreters in other countries, but that night something was on. It was just on. I, I sort of preached in a rhythm, but I never stopped. I didn't preach fast. I didn't preach slow. I just sort of, just sort of preached. You know, and I say this all with great respect. Black men preach with a rhythm. That's why they preach so, it's so exciting to hear them preach. There's a rhythm to their preaching. And I was preaching and everything I was saying, it just, it was just, he was just repeating as I was, as I, I never waited. It's difficult to do with an interpreter. Normally you say something. I was preaching with Ed Burdell in Costa Rica. Ed got saved here about 30 some years ago. And I guess your, your son-in-law, I tell you what, I was preaching with Ed Bordell, large building. And I'd say something like, let, let's just stay really brief. Jesus wept. And he'd go on for about two minutes. And everything I said, he would keep going. I finally saw, said, time out. You folks that understand English, he's not saying what I'm saying, is he? And they all laughed. He was preaching his own message, but he was getting results. So praise God for that. Oh, Brother Ashcraft, we were going, going, going. It just was something. I didn't even think about it. I, I started singing, Dost thou not care? And he came on in with the harmony part in Espanol. And we sang a duet. Dost thou not care that millions are dying? Dying in sin and despair. Waiting for someone to tell them of Jesus. Yes, waiting everywhere. Waiting, waiting. Brother Lawman, you preached about it recently. They're, they're waiting all over this globe. Sometimes people look so hard, all scarred up, and they're so empty. If someone would just love them enough with the gospel, they might just be ready for, the, to, for salvation. Let, let me close. I, I went to a pastor school in Hammond years ago, and they did a weird thing, it was different, and they never did it after that. On Thursday night, instead of staying in the church, they, one time they went to the big, big uh, amphitheater type thing. There was over 10,000, 12,000 people there that night. But this night, they rented the largest hotel in Chicago and filled it as a banquet. And Curtis Hudson preached that night. I'm telling you something, I love Curtis Hudson. He's with the Lord for about 30 years now. He was 61 years, 61 years of age when he died. Curtis was so full of the Holy Ghost that night. He was preaching, he was assigned to preach on soul money. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't wait for him to stop. Tiffany was with me, she would know. I'm gonna guess our daughter Tiffany she must have been about nine years of age. And she was with me, and after the meeting, we were going to drive to a hotel, get, get a cab, go to a hotel, and stay and catch an early morning flight. We got in a cab. Guy had a turban on. 
And she said, Dad, I've never heard anything like that in my life. I said, Tip, now I'm so, so bright. We've got to reach somebody tonight. We've just got to reach somebody tonight. I began to witness to that cab driver. And, oh, he was just driving. He was listening. We got to our location. He stopped. I said, well, what do you think? Are you going to get saved or not? I mean, it was just a passion in my heart. He said, I want that. You know, Brother Van Dyke, that man got saved that night. He was an Arab. I've often thought, I wonder if he was being trained for 9-11. But he got saved. Tiffany was so excited. She said, Dad, wasn't that thrilling? I said, God put us in that cab to lead that man to Christ. I, I know we get these jobs around here and we need to work and not witness on company time. We owe them a, but maybe there's break time or maybe there's a lunch break. Amen. And do you realize that in every business and corporation, there are people that tomorrow are going to wonder, what's life about? What, 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 what am I doing here? Is there any hope? Is there anything? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.